Welcome everybody, you are listening to Bleeding Big Blue Podcast, Alex Garbage Produce back again. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, remember our podcasts are available right here on YouTube, also Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Follow our social media pages at Bleeding Big Blue Podcast. So today we're going to break down a couple of topics. First off today, make or break players. This topic is about who has a chance to prove themselves And if it's their last chance at making the New York Giants roster, whether it be in the preseason or come the regular season. Now, I am doing this by position, so it will be quarterback group, running back group. For defensive line and linebackers, I'm just going to go defensive line, linebackers, not inside linebacker, not outside linebacker. I'm just going to do position group right now. So the first off, uh, quarterback, Alex Tanny. Tanny's been with the Giants since 2018. He was the backup. In 2018, but the third QB in 2019, Eli was the backup once Jones saw time from week three on. When Eli was still the starter, Jones was the backup quarterback and Tanny was a three. So Tanny was inactive for that portion of the regular season. He was inactive for most of the regular season. Now he did see game time this year. Eli Manning walked off the field against Miami, got a standing ovation when he went to the bench and they called a timeout. But Tandy saw action there. He handed a couple of balls off to Javarius Allen, the backup running back at the time, the former Raven. He's not on the roster anymore. But to go back to another point, Tandy had a decent preseason in 2018, but he did regress in 2019 preseason. Uh, he had made a couple of risky passes. One of them was an interception to Clifton Duck. He was later tackled by Alonzo Russell. That was, of course, the Bears versus Giants preseason game. I was there. And I saw everything that happened. I was sitting in the back of the end zone where the interception was made. And then they went the opposite way. And Alonzo Russell made the tackle. But Alonzo Russell's not on the roster anymore. I, th- I don't think Clifton Duck is on the roster. But that's really not my concern right now. You look at the 2018 preseason. Tanny had a better one, as I said. This year, or really 2019, it was more competitive. Because Kyle Lalletta or him was on the chopping block. Daniel Jones was not getting cut. Neither was Eli Manning. But Kyle Lalletta got cut, even though I thought that he had a more of a better preseason because he threw the game-winning touchdown to Alonzo Russell in the finale against the Patriots when none of the starters played, except for Golden Tate, but Golden Tate was suspended for the first four games. That's why he got more playing time than any other starter that game. Now, this offseason, the Giants did a little work in the QB room. Obviously, Jones, you know, he's the starter going into next season, but the Giants also signed... UDFA from Northern Arizona, Case Cookus, journeyman quarterback Colt McCoy, and former Cowboys QB Cooper Rush. They got him off waivers. Now, this is Alex Tanny's last chance to prove it whether he's worth being on an NFL roster or not as a two or a three QB. He's 32 years old. Now, I think Colt McCoy is either younger than him. If it's younger than him, it's not by much. Cooper Rush is also younger. So I'm, I would think that they would keep... Daniel Jones, Cooper Rush maybe, because he's familiar with the scheme that Jason Garrett is bringing over, and Colt McCoy or Alex Tandy. But to be honest with you, I would go with Colt McCoy. He's got more game experience. And let me fact check myself real quick. Actually, Tandy is 32, as I mentioned, but McCoy is older by a year. As I said, McCoy has more game experience. He could help Daniel Jones a little bit beside Jerry Shaplinski and Jason Garrett. Give them a load off. He has more game experience. You know, he knows what it's to be under pressure. Tanny, he's played one game in his NFL career. Yes, he's played preseason games for numerous teams. But the real stuff counts. And Colt McCoy's been in those real-life situations, real game situations, more like with the Redskins 
with the Browns. You know, maybe he didn't play good, but experience counts, and you learn from those experiences, and you tell other people about those experiences, especially teaching a young quarterback like Daniel Jones. But to go back to my earlier point, I definitely think Alex Tanney has to prove something in order to stay on this roster, or else he's probably going to retire, in my opinion, because I don't think that there's really any spot for him around the league. I could be wrong. He's, you know, he's not practice squad eligible, but he could be a three guy on a roster that we don't know about. Obviously, he could get some preseason reps with another team, but right now, as it looks, he has to make something of himself in order to impress this new coaching staff. Now to the running back position, someone else who has to do similar, but they could find a spot easier in my opinion. I'll get to that. Wayne Gallman. Gallman was a fourth-round pick, Jerry Reese picked, Clemson, 2017. With injuries and other issues, he did move up the depth chart in 2017 and rushed for 476 yards. He was the second lead back behind Orleans Darkwa when it came to yards. Orleans Darkwa had, I think, something around 735 or 751 rushing yards that season. He was later let walk in free agency along with Shane Vereen. Darkwood was more of a big body back. That's why you saw elusiveness out of Wayne Gallman, especially the last game. He really impressed me against the Redskins in 2017, the last game. That's when I knew, you know, something was going to happen with him. But he remained the running back too when Gettleman and their regime drafted Saquon Barkley at second overall in 2018. Obviously, that was controversial, but that's another topic to talk about. Fun fact. Now, Wayne Gallman did not get his first rushing touchdown until week 17 of the 2018 season. He did get his first passing touchdown against the Buccaneers week four on his birthday in his NFL debut against the Buccaneers from Eli Manning. That was the first passing touchdown. The Giants lost that game, but he did get his first rushing touchdown against Dallas week 17, 2018. And then he actually technically you would say got a back-to-back against Dallas because he got a touchdown week one, 2019. That was a rushing touchdown. Now, Gallman competed with John Hilleman and Rod Smith for running back two spot as he would ultimately win that spot because Jonathan Hillman, I think, went to the practice squad or they even kept him. I'm pretty sure he went to the practice squad and Rod Smith was cut because he got it injured. However, he was the running back two until Saquon got injured. He was the running back one. And then until he got a concussion, I think that was against the Vikings, to be honest with you, he fell. He fell from there. He fell behind Javorius Allen on the depth chart and was less utilized by Pat Shermer towards the end of the season and Mike Shula. Months after the staff was let go, the Giants actually replaced him or tried to replace him this time a third time. You look at Jonathan Stewart in 2018. He would have been running back too. Rod Smith in 2019. More experience. Would have been running back too. Deion Lewis this year. They signed him. I think it was a one-year or two-year contract. Yes, familiarity with Joe Judge and anyone else. But right now, he looks to be the front runner for that running back two spot. He's won a championship. He's got the rushing yards. He has a lot of experience, more experience than Goldman. Goldman can't really teach Barkley anything. Yes, Barkley's going into his fourth year. I can't believe it already. Time is going so fast. But one of my problems with Saquon Barkley, and this doesn't always have to do with him, this, you know, offensive line, blocking tight ends, especially in, this is the main run game right here. Barkley gets a handoff. He tries to find too many holes. He tries to find here. Nope, I can't go there. I go here. If it's not open right away, he tries to move around a lot. And I get that. He was trying to scramble for yards. But it ends up, if you're facing a good defense, it ends up 
getting a 10-yard loss at most. And we saw that a lot last season. We saw that a little less the year before. But Deion Lewis can say, hey, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. Uh, do this instead. Take the yards. That's something also Burton Burns could do. The coach that came over from Alabama, who's an excellent teacher from many people who have views and thoughts on him. Now, going into training camp, preseason, mini camp, whenever we get back on the field again, on the practice field, here's who he has to compete with. Dion Lewis, Austrian running back Sandro Plutzgummer. I think I said that correctly. John Hilleman, the UDFA, 2019 UDFA at Rutgers, and Maryland UDFA Javon Leak. Javon Leak is interesting. Now, something to note on him. He can return kicks, and that's something the Giants need. Corey Coleman was injured last year. We'll get to him. A little sneak peek for the next subject. But also to factor in, Javon Leak was the backup behind Anthony McFarlane, who's now a Pittsburgh Steeler at Maryland. His yards per carry for backup. Uh, let's take a look at 2017, his freshman season. And I'm talking to Javon Leak, of course. Nine rushes, 99 yards, two touchdowns. That's 11 yards per carry. He only got nine attempts. Played in seven games, yeah, mostly on special teams. Nine attempts, 99 rushing yards. That's 11 yards per carry. That's something the Giants could use in the backfield. Sophomore season, 34 rushes, 309 yards. 9.1 yards per carry, seven touchdowns. That's good. That's, again, more than four yards per carry. Something Gallman didn't really do in the NFL. But, again, they're two species of the same animal, really. Two species, football. Now, going into his junior year, his last year at Maryland, 102 attempts, 736 rushing yards, 7.2 yards per carry, 8 touchdowns. Now, you could say, oh, well, you know, yards per carry went down by at least two every year. Right, but it's still over 4 yards per carry for someone who doesn't get a lot of opportunities and who's the backup running back. And the factor in, he gets kick returns. And he does it well. He's scored a couple of touchdowns last year on that. That's definitely just something to put under a microscope and just take a look at it and look at the film. Again, we'll take a look at the film. I will personally look at film and so should others when it comes to, you know, just looking at the stats. Oh, that's yards per carry. We got to look at the plays. But from what I'm to understand, he does make a big impact as a backup running back. And once Deion Lewis is maybe gone... And maybe he retires or goes somewhere else. Javon Lee can take over behind Saquon Barkley. Maybe something could happen. Maybe we have a two running back duo. Now, going back to my original point. Wayne Gallman does not return kicks. And he does not have a huge yards per carry. As I said earlier, college and NFL, two different species of the same animal. But then again, diversity. That's what we're talking about with this team. Joe Judge. Oh, well, let's, we're going to play the players to their strengths. That's something that Javon Lee can do. If he's a two or three running back, huge yards per carry, if that translates to the NFL. Now, Gallman has to really impress this staff once they get back in the building. He has to show them something. Because right now, all it looks like is, oh, he's a backup two, three running back. That's all you see when you look at him, without film. Maybe with film. But right now, it's not really much shaping for Wayne Gallman. And this regime really has been trying to replace him for the last three years at running back two and let's see if they finally get it done because it really hasn't worked out Jonathan Stewart you know he was not good as a running back two running back three whatever you call it 
wherever he was in the 2018 depth chart, he was later cut, but he also went on IR, and they didn't pull him off till the end of the season, till really the offseason. 2019, Robert Smith got injured at the end of the preseason. Gallman was the running back, too. So let's see what happens with Deion Lewis here. So he's kind of in the situation, meaning Wayne Gallman, uh, Alex Tanny is, but he is younger, and he has a shot to be back up somewhere else. Let you guys know a sneak peek in the next one when I hinted at it a little bit. Corey Coleman, wide receiver. Three years into his rookie deal, he got swapped around by a lot of teams. First round pick, former first round pick, I should say, traded by the Browns to the Bills, cut at the end of the preseason by the Bills, signed by New England at the end of the month, end of September. They cut him for the practice squad. Giants signed him to the practice squad and promoted him in late October. Coleman was an ultimate kick return weapon, had like a 53-yard return against the 49ers, which ultimately led a game-winning drive for Eli Manning, and the Giants later won that game. And he also had a good return against the Buccaneers and was really a weapon in the later part of the season when it came to kick returns. Not much of a target in the past game when Odell Beckham was gone. That was really more of Sterling Shepard and Ingram. Now, he was brought back. I think it was like a tender thing, but he was definitely brought back in 2019. Unfortunately, when I was at training camp, I didn't know this till I got home, he tore his ACL on the first day and he was put on IR remainder of the season. So we didn't see anything from him. And he was supposed to compete for that wide receiver three spot because you had Golden Tate, you had Sterling Shepard, but we didn't know much about Derry Slayton yet. In that mix was Slayton, there was Fowler, there was Coleman, as I mentioned, there was a couple other wide receivers there, but ultimately Slayton played well during the season. He's probably going to be that guy, you know, going into training camp, going into preseason next year. He was brought back on March 30th of this year. Now, the Giants have three guaranteed wide receivers, as I just mentioned. Petting suspension or injury, though. Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and Derry Slayton, the fifth-round pick from last year. Now, they brought a surplus of UDFAs in. Rice and John, Austin Mack, Benjamin Victor, and Derek Dillon. And they also held over Damari Scott, Cody Core, and Alex Backman, who was assigned from the practice squad. Now, something I mentioned in the last subject, Javon Leak has shown in college he could be a threat at kick returner. Coleman needs to do that. Now, Coleman could have the same possession as a good kick returner like he was in 2018. Fine, you could do that. He needs to show that he's not just a kick returner, though. He needs to show he's a passing game wide receiver. And that maybe if somebody goes down, Daniel Jones can use him as a target. That's something he needs to show. Because he could be a 4, a 5, or a 6 receiver. Any of those, really. But then again, you got those UDFAs. Cody Core might stay on the roster because he has huge impact on the special teams game, especially now that Antonio Hamilton is gone. But we'll see how everything plays out. If he gets injured or if he does not, you know, show anything other than kick returning and is not really a weapon, doesn't show anything special, I think his chances have run out with the Giants and possibly he goes on to another team. But I don't think he's going to be that first round pick that late blooms if anything happens like that. I think he's going to be that bust first-round pick, one of many for the Browns. And I like Corey Coleman, but we'll see what happens. Next player, tight end, Evan Ingram. A lot of people talk about this. Evan Ingram was another Jerry Reese draft pick that was held on to during the Gettleman overturn of the roster in 2018. To note, he's never played a full season. He's had a lot of lower body injuries, and he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Hasn't had full 16 games. His run blocking is a concern. Why? He's a tight end. You know, he's a good weapon in the passing game, 
And some say he can't make the transition to wide receiver because he has an inability to beat cornerbacks. But he's a better mismatch against linebackers and safeties. We saw that with Landon Collins and a couple other linebackers and safeties last year. So he's better against them than he is a cornerback because a cornerback probably has more speed and has a better technique when it comes to covering wide receivers like him. And he would be really inexperienced at wide receiver. Yes, he's a pass target, but, you know, it's a little different, especially if you're on the outside. Now, we saw Caden Smith. He stole the show at the end of the season last year. I think he had a touchdown against the Redskins, actually matched up against Landon Collins. He won the game with a touchdown pass from Daniel Jones, and everyone was celebrating and everything. But... He could be his replacement in the future if Evan Ingram cannot stay healthy. Ren Ellison, he retired, so you don't have him anymore. You signed Levine Toy Lolo. I forget what other tight ends they have on the roster. They probably still have Garrett Dickerson. They also have Eric Tomlinson. They also have Ryson John, who I didn't know was actually converted to tight end. And they also have Kyle Markway. Now, they recently picked up his fifth-year option, which is for next year. It's not for this year. It's for next year. Now... Would they cut him in the preseason? I don't think so, because he's a valuable piece to the offense if he is healthy. Now, if he's not healthy, you could probably just put him on IR, say it's a done season or something like that. He's also, if he's healthy and if you want to trade him, he's trade value. Get a couple of decent picks for him. I know the Giants are still in rebuilding mode and they're not ready to win yet. Use a couple more picks. I'm not saying you're going to get a second rounder, but maybe from a third to a sixth rounder for him. He's really valuable, and I know the 49ers supposedly had interest in him. However, it's still a year that Evan Ingram needs to stay healthy. At least 15 games that he starts needs to stay healthy. And he can't be, you know, injured in the middle of a game or something. He needs to try his best, and injuries are not his fault. But unfortunately, that goes into the games where your team needs you the most, and you're not there, and the team loses because they don't have enough targets. Giants, I don't think they have that problem unless they had or have multiple people injured. So this is indeed a make-or-break year for Evan Ingram. Next player on my list, very interesting one, probably more interesting than Evan Ingram or just as interesting, Nate Solder, offensive line. Now, I have balanced this between Jalapio and Solder, but if Jalapio was actually on this roster, I would consider him. But right now, Solder's the one I choose. Jalapio's still a free agent. He had an abysmal season in 2019, as we all know. 11 sacks, 57 pressures. But there's the analytics people who like to diss those stats. That's another subject I've plowed over a million times. Now, in 2018, he had a horrible first half, allowing 7 sacks in, I believe, the first 8 games, including the couple against the Redskins. That one before the bye was horrible. And also the Falcons game on Monday Night Football. Now, the analytics people will actually try to agree on this. This is Solder's last chance to start coming out of the preseason gate. Maybe his career. Solder has a raveling competition going in 2020. Cam Fleming, Andrew Thomas, and Nick Gates qualify as the more serious guys. Matt Pert, who's the right tackle for the future, will not be ready to start week one. Most likely could go later in this season as a starter. But Solder is balancing issues with his son. He's got some medical issues. I think he had a tumor or cancer. We wished him the best. And we do wish him the best. But the point is, when you're on the field, and if you feel ready on the field, you need to play up to the contract that you were given. He's being paid on a four-year, $62 million deal, and he's two years into that deal, and he really hasn't shown up to that yet, and that's going to go on Gettleman's resume for sure. And it's very unlikely that he reaches the height of his Giants career at age 32. No, the fact Giants, you know, they drafted Andrew Thomas fourth overall, 
But if I were to bet anything, Thomas would start on the right side. I don't think they give him the immediate pressure of starting him on the left. I also don't think that things would get so bad, and I don't know this either, that Cameron Fleming would be better than Nate Solder in training camp and preseason that Fleming starts at left tackle against the Pittsburgh Steelers Monday Night Football. I just don't think that because I think Solder has more experience, and he's just a better player than Fleming, and he can handle the rushes. You know, I discussed what we're going to be facing with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and so on and so on. Now, again, Solder... Has two years to go on his expensive contract, 32 years old, coming out of his prime as an average offensive tackle. He was never a Pro Bowl tackle. He was an average offensive tackle. So it's going to be really dicey to see what happens in training camp, what happens in the preseason. Really. Because you could also have Nick Gates put somewhere. If you really feel ready with Andrew Thomas, you put him at left tackle. If you really don't like Nate Solder's play, you put Fleming at right tackle. Or you put Nick Gates there. You don't really want to waste talent in Nick Gates. He did show a lot of talent. Right tackle last year, a couple of games. I think Gates was the right tackle. I'm not sure against the Redskins the second time. I think he was. I'm not sure, but he might have been the right guard because Zeitler had his leg stepped on by a rusher when Solder allowed a sack in the Eagles game. But regardless that, he did show some talent at right tackle, especially against the Jets, against the Eagles. Their defensive line is very good. NFC East defensive lines are going to be good, except for the Giants because they're still growing a little bit and they need a pass rush. Now, going back to the central point, will Nate Solder be that solid tackle that the Giants really need to supply for the short term and then switch Thomas? Or will they just say no out of the gate and put somebody else at left tackle or Thomas at right tackle or flip-flop that? We'll see. Defensive line, B.J. Hill. Now, I was debating him and R.J. McIntosh, but McIntosh really doesn't have a fair stance because he was out most of the 2018 season and really rotational in the 2019 season. His sack total, B.J. Hill, went from 5.5 to 1 in 2019. He also got less playing time. Leonard Williams, once he was acquired, he took his spot on the defensive line. Now, I don't know whether it was B.J.'s aggression or better favored Williams because of the priority in the trade. Now, again, I'm not saying he's a cut candidate, and for the next two, they're not going to be cut candidates. This one and the linebacker one, they're not going to be cut candidates just whether they're going to be starting in the future and how Patrick Graham sees them. So if Patrick Graham doesn't, and his staff don't see that he's valuable to put on the field for most of the downs or at least get a good share of snaps, then that might be it for Hill's starting time. We don't know if he'll be using the rotation a lot or maybe he used the rotation just not starting, but Hill will definitely need to work and improve his game better than he was in 2019, maybe better than 2018, but 2018 was his best season by far. Linebacker core, Lorenzo Carter. This one's another one that's been discussed. Carter's playing time went from 442 snaps played to 723. He started more games. That's a transition from 2018 to 2019. Now, this season, Carter was not playing behind Kareem Martin or Connor Barwin. This time he played in front of Kareem Martin because Kareem Martin was injured, but also Carter was in front in the depth chart week one before Kareem Martin got injured. Barwin was cut in February, so no need to worry about him. However, you really didn't see a jump from Lorenzo Carter, and that's why I put him on this list. He did have a forced fumble, half more sacks, started 10 more games, started 12 actually compared to his two in his rookie season, and six more pressures. Now, if you take a look, and if you realize, the whole draft class from 2018 took a step back. Except for R.J. McIntosh because he played better and recorded two sacks. Actually, one more than B.J. Hill. Now, Carter had the narrative pinned on him that he was going to get 10-plus sacks in 2019. But he really underachieved 
that. I don't really know that that would have been the right perspective to take only on a second-year player. But his final starting chance is arriving in 2020 with a new scheme. Graham's defense is going to be less complicated, and he'll probably have more blitzing opportunities. We don't know because that's what he did in Miami. He's probably going to change some things. But it's time to see a jump from him. We want to see more production. On the other hand, O'Shane Zimenez, he's waiting his chance, played less games, started less games, had four and a half sacks in less playing time. So you might see him override Carter, depending on what side they play on. You know, Marcus Golden, he's going to be coming back if he is not signed before July 22nd. You also got Kyler Fackrell to play in. So we'll see with the rotations and everything. But Carter's last chance is 2020, in my opinion, to start. Next candidate, this one is for the secondary, specifically cornerback position, Grant Haley. Haley impressed the Shermer staff in the preseason of 2018 and was put on the practice squad. He showed some flashes of talent in 2018 when he got to play. 2019, however, everybody recognized different animal. Struggling minorly in coverage, whether it was in the outside or whether it be in the slot or the nickel. Now, he was benched for Corey Ballantyne, the rookie six-round pick out of Washburn, but he didn't play much better because, again, as I say this as many times as I do, James Betcher kept putting squares and circles and circles and triangles and however you want to put it because those cornerbacks were not a direct fit and they didn't really have a slot corner. They did that with Sam Beal, but Sam Beal, I would say, played better than the both of them. Now, the Giants drafted Darnay Holmes round four UCLA in this year's draft, and for the first time, Holmes has nickel experience and slot experience. Now, there's been talk whether Julian Love will be moving down to slot cornerback since the Giants took a free safety and Xavier McKinney in round two. We'll see how that turns out. But there are talents to slot cornerback candidates. Corey Ballantyne, Darnay Holmes. They both have kickoff return and punt return talent. Haley is different though. Haley's a good tackler in the box. He can move to safety, possibly if he's a fit, or linebacker if he's a fit, but though he is undersized. Now, if Haley exercises his talent and it has more coverage talent, shows more coverage talent, he could possibly stay. But the door is closing fast because they're adding more depth and they're finalizing the roster, what they want to win in 2020. They're not really going to win in 2020, but just to put the best roster out there, really, to rebuild for the future. And if Haley doesn't show his talents, he may lose his job at the end of the preseason. Finally, special teams. Aldrich Rosas. The negative wins 2-1 to one in this case. One good year, two bad years. Here are Rosas' stats from 2017 to 2019. Rosas jumped from 2017 to 2018, but dropped in the next year interval, and I'll note that. Now, if you look at 2017's field goal percentage was 72%. A lot of them were blocked because they really didn't have control of the special teams, but he still needs to make the kicks. Field goals made, 18. Field goals attempted, 25. Look at the extra points. He missed three extra points that season. Some of them were blocked. Again, special teams, but he still needs to make the kicks. Go to the next year. Missed one extra point, missed one kick, made the Pro Bowl. 2019, 70.6 field goal percentage. That was worse than his rookie year in 2017. He was 12 for 17 when it came to kicks. 45 was his longest. 57 and 52 were his longest in 2017, 2018. 57 was the one against the Bears. 52, I believe, was the one against the Raiders. 45 was his longest in 2019. But he did have a higher extra point percentage than 2017, but again, lower than 2018 when he made the Pro Bowl. 35-39 on extra points. Now, kickoffs, 
he had the highest touchback percentage in his career with 70.4%. Then the previous year, 60%. And then 41.9% the previous year, which was 2017. Now, just like they treated it coming from 2017 and 2018, they will have to bring in some sort of competition. That will most likely be. He's on a one-year contract. They probably tendered him or did whatever. They did the same thing last year. This is Rosas' last year to prove it. Or else he will be a one-year wonder, and that will not be good for the Giants roster, and he'll be gone as soon as possible. But the Giants would have to look for another kicker and try out those kickers, and they would have to get their kicking game back. But Rosas looked like the future in 2018, but 2019 he dropped again and was really much like 2017. So that's what I have to say on Aldrick Rosas and that list of people who are the make-and-break candidates for the Giants coming into 2020. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the podcast. I am doing a YouTube live stream, Bengals versus Vikings. If you are listening to this at a later date, you can check out the YouTube channel. I will probably have the stream posted. Unless you're watching it this Thursday night, then you can go check it out on YouTube. Our podcasts are available on Podbean, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow our social media pages at Bleeding Big Blue Podcast. Thank you guys for the international support and the support inside the United States. I would like this to grow, and you guys are helping me. Thank you guys so much. Our new schedule is Tuesdays and Thursdays annually. Check my Twitter for any updates regarding that and the podcast. Thank you guys for supporting again, and have a nice night.